0: Welcome to Whopple's Press
1: Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle.
0: Everybody loves a Rags to Riches story. The Robert Tanyan story is just that. Hi, I'm Gary Whopple, and I'm glad to be joined today. And every week by Rob Reichel, the outstanding Packers reporter for Forbes.com and Conley Media. Hi, Rob. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. You just gave me a good story idea. I'm going to look up the best rake to richest story in franchise history here as, as, as soon as we're done, Gary.
0: Well, thank you very much. You know one guy I would throw out there just off the top of my head? Yeah. Willie Wood. The guy came out of wow. nowhere, you know? Arguably the uh, greatest safety in Packers history.
1: You know, Gary, you could go back and grab a ton of those Lombardi guys. Yes. Largely because the draft is seven rounds now. Back in the day when there were only 12 or 16 teams, it kind of evolved there in the 60s. But those drafts went 20, 25 rounds and stuff. So you'd, you'd find guys deep in the draft like that, like a Bart Starr or something like that, who wouldn't even be drafted today, Gary.
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, no, Willie Woods a great candidate though. Like you said, arguably the greatest safety that the franchise has ever had and you know, Donald Driver's a seventh round guy, leads the franchise in in all-time receptions and yards and things like that. There's it'd be fun to put together a top 5 or a top 10 list and
0: well, and I'm looking forward going. to it. Yeah, that 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 should be an entertaining story.
1: Give me hey, something right over the bye week, Gary.
0: <laughs> there you go. I got some yard work down here too, Rob, if you have nothing better.
1: <laughs> we'll see you about three, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hear you pay well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Say, uh, let's start out talking by the aforementioned Mr. Tanyan, who is now the uh, talk at Titletown. What a great story. I mean, three years ago, he's playing at Indiana State a.k.a. Larry Bird State. I wonder if Tonian could become the second most famous athlete to come out of
1: that school. Well, I can't think of a second one. <laughs> by so default. I, I uh, think he's an early front runner, Gary.
0: <laughs> exactly. Again, just an amazing story. The, the guy goes undrafted. He's signed by the Lions. He's waived by the Lions. He's signed by the Packers, who put him on their practice squad. First season, he has four catches. Second season, he has 10. And now, through four games this season, he has 13 receptions and a league-high five touchdowns. Not a bad story, huh?
1: No, I, I think that one kind of writes itself, doesn't it? Even even for two guys like you and I, Gary, we, we could pull that story off. I mean, really, just, just crazy. Gary, here's a couple interesting stats I threw up the other night on Twitter and then, and then put in a story. I mean, the Packers had Jimmy Graham for two years, 32 football games. He gave him five touchdowns, Gary. They paid him almost twenty-two million dollars in that time, so about four point four million dollars per touchdown for Jimmy Graham in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen combined.
0: That's not Conny, a bad. Right gig. now,
1: Gary is making seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year, which he's probably elated to be making. He has five touchdowns. That's one hundred fifty thousand dollars a touchdown. And Gary, we're only through Week Four. I mean, he keeps this up. Obviously, that number per touchdown comes way down. They're just getting a steal here. You know, when, when, when they got rid of Jimmy Graham in the offseason, I definitely had some doubts about where they were heading with the position. Now, Jimmy Graham certainly wasn't the answer, Gary, but I didn't know if the answer was on the roster either. It's um, mm-hmm. turning out to be the answer. He, he ran a four five eight coming out of college, uh, which is a really good time in the 40. You know, Jimmy Graham probably ran four four five or 4-5-0. Back in the day coming out of Miami but that was in 2010 when he showed up in New Orleans right a decade ago he was probably four nine something like that last year so so they clearly got much faster at the position now Tanya doesn't block Gary I don't know that they necessarily care Mercedes (laughs) Lewis will be that guy they brought in Ricky Wagner the other night to block a handful of snaps they might keep doing that they're going to want Tanya to stretch the field vertically make four or five catches a game, I would assume, moving forward. Teams haven't paid a ton of attention to him yet, Gary. I, I think that'll change. Although when Adams and Lazard get back in the lineup, I, I don't know if, it, if everybody can be defended. So Tanya's a remarkable story. Gary, like you said, tied for the NFL lead in receiving touchdowns right now with five with, with Tampa Bay's Mike Evans. His 13 catches almost match what he had coming into the season. And uh, again, they're paying him next to nothing. Uh, when when you're gonna make runs at Super Bowls, Gary, you, you need two or three guys like this on a roster. You just you need those surprise guys, those surprise stories, those guys that have career years to kind of come out of nowhere. Clearly Tanya's gonna be one of those guys if if the Packers are gonna make a run.
0: Oh, no question. You know, you and I talk about uh, how he came out of nowhere to, to, to be someone. I mean the Green Bay Packers themselves have to be a little surprised, if not quite a bit as bit surprised. I mean, they wouldn't have drafted tight ends the last two years in the third round. They took Sternberger, they took Tagora, and with the idea that Tanyan was going to be the number one guy, you know what I mean? I mean, you just don't invest those high picks on tight ends unless you have doubts about your current roster.
1: No doubt here. I mean, think about it. Jermichael Finley was a 3 Back in the day, became their number one tight end. I'm, I'm just trying to think of guys over the last 20 or 25 yeah. years. Bubba Franks was a first-round pick, but but that's rare. Ron Wolf did that in 2000 when when they went and got him. They traded a second-round pick back in the day for Keith Jackson. Chamura was a six. So really, Gary, yeah, you're, you're spot on. When you use a third-round pick like they did on Sternberger, they expected him to be the guy. And, and Gary, maybe he would have been. He did come on late uh, last season. When he had the three catches and the touchdown in the playoffs, you know, I, I think they thought he might become the guy this year. And then he came down with COVID 19 and in training camp, he kind of had to be bubbled for two, three weeks there. It gave Tanyan time to jump up and pass him. And he, he clearly has taken uh, full advantage of the situation presented him. Where, you know, for, for those out there who don't know Gary, I mean, Tanyan wasn't even a tight end at Indiana State. He, right, sh- he right. started out there, he showed up as a quarterback. They moved him to wide receiver. Not Now he's kind of a blown-up wide receiver. They've put 15, 20 pounds on him to try to get him close to 250 to play tight end. He hasn't really lost his speed, Gary, which which was the key to to this transition. You know, Green Bay's been really patient with him, Gary, over the last couple of seasons. I, I think a lot of organizations might have moved along, um, especially in the middle of a coaching change in a coaching transition from McCarthy to Lafleur. Good but, point. Um, Again, Tanya's taken full advantage of the opportunity presented him, and he, he's going to be hard to get off the field moving forward, Gary.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, too. Last year before the draft, uh, I was a big advocate of uh, Noah Font, who uh, is with Denver now, and he's having a really nice season already. And I just thought that the Packers' tight end situation was average at best. But, again, you, you just don't know who might emerge. And in this case, uh, obviously, Tanya has emerged.
1: No, I'm with you. That, that was a great tight end draft, too. If you remember, Hawkinson went in the top. Exactly. The Lions. Yep. Uh, Fant went – God, I'm trying to remember, Gary. Was he was he low to mid-20s, somewhere in yes, there? Yes,
0: yes. Denver you know, took him, to, I think, around 20 or so.
1: Right, to Denver. And and that was the draft where the Packers had Gary and uh, Savage. So they had a couple opportunities, certainly, to, to jump up and, and land a tight end. And I'm with you, Gary. I, I thought their tight end play a year ago – uh, because Jimmy Graham was a colossal disappointment for, he signed a three-year, thirty-million-dollar contract, but you know he made thirteen of that right off the shoot in a signing bonus, mm-hmm. and um, he was costing them a lot of money against the cap. Their tight end play the last couple of years was bottom five in football. Uh, Graham couldn't run anymore. The field seemed to tackle him as much as the opponent. Gary, <laughs> you know, he he had a nice playoff game a year ago against the, against Seattle. It's probably his one shining moment as a Packer. But there's no doubt there, there was not much tread left on those tires. Jimmy Graham was done. And uh, for the Packers to get better, they had to move on from him. And I guess – I'll be honest, Gary, I thought it came a year too late. I would have moved on from Graham after the 2018 season. Gutekunst kept him in 19 as well. Now, he was under contract for 20. There's some dead cap money there. So, I do give Gutekunst credit for, for getting rid of him last off season. But you could certainly make the case he could have done it after year one as well.
0: What also helps uh... – uh, Tanyan is that he seems to be in the favor of the quarterback. Number 12 has, has gone on record as saying he likes this guy and he likes his commitment to the game, et cetera. And everything, let's face it, everything right now is revolving around Rogers on offense. Uh, he's got 13 touchdown passes, hasn't had a pick, 1,213 yards passing. I mean, if he continues on this pace, he could have 52 touchdown passes, which would be a career high. I, I didn't realize this until I did some research this morning. You know what his previous high for touchdown passes was?
1: I think it was 45 in that MVP season. Wasn't that a 45-6 year?
0: I, I'm, I'm telling you, you're, you're still on a roll. <laughs> I carry over from last week.
1: <laughs> Gary, the one thing you're going to learn as we do this show, I, I don't remember much, but I remember <laughs> the most useless statistics and random numbers. They just they stay in my head. Yeah, I think he was 45 touchdowns. It was six, precisely six, that, that MVP season of 11 when when he was off the charts and was it wasn't he about 122.5 that year for passer rating? I mean, he yeah, was unbelievable. Yeah,
0: yeah. Think. You know, it's crazy though. Then his second uh, best year as far as throwing touchdown <laughs> passes was 39 uh, the following year, okay? Right. And and then you consider last year he only threw 26 and already's he got 13 just a quarter of the way through the season
1: yeah he's had mid-20s the last couple of years Gary I mean mm-hmm. Rogers made a comment I yesterday I think it was to Pat McAfee and in that Uh-oh. podcast or that show he does that you know a down year for him is a career year for a lot of guys and there's probably a level of truth to that but one thing that those guys certainly didn't take into consideration is Rodgers was being paid among the top two, three, four players in football the last few years. For Green Bay to be great, he has to be great. I mean, he has to be at that level of what he was between 2010 and 2014, Uh, that five-year window, Gary. The years between 15 and 19, he he was not nearly as good as he was from 10 to 14. And -hmm. I know he got hot in 16, and he led him on that big winning streak late in the season. He took him to the NFC Championship game that year down in – in atlanta when they eventually got smoked but uh you know if you look across the board from 15 to 19 he was not the same player that he was from 10 to 14 there was some slippage there you're spot on i i don't know that he can keep up this you know three and a quarter touchdowns per game type of pace that he's on right now gary which Mm -hmm. would put him to 52 for the season uh but i would certainly think he's got a chance to break his old mark of 45 I think Gary, the other number that's just ridiculous, and, I, and I've been asking people inside the organization, you don't get locker room access these days, Gary, to the Packers. You get Zoom calls. Not even not you? Mean, <laughs> not even me. Not even there go. The great Rob Damoski. Not even the great Bob McGinn. <laughs> people like that. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. it's everything's a Zoom call now. Uh, it's the world we live in. Let's hope a, there's a return to normalcy in 2021. You know, I've been asking them, can Rodgers go through a season, Gary, with no interceptions? I mean, if anybody can, it's Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that, that's never been done, I assume.
1: It's never been done. Rodgers' career low is two mm-hmm. from a couple of seasons back. The Packers threw four that year because Kaiser also threw two in probably about 600 fewer pass attempts than, than Rodgers had that uh-huh. year. The all-time low, Gary, for a team is two. Uh, the Patriots did it in 2016 when, when Tom Brady was there. I just – you, you know, you, you watched, for example, that Chiefs-Patriots game the other night, and Edelman drops a pass. Exactly. And the Chiefs, and the Chiefs mm-hmm. intercept it and run it back for a touchdown. You're going to get those fluke plays like that through the year where I'm guessing Rodgers is going to throw a few. But I can guarantee you, man, he 100% – would love to put a zero in that column. He is huge on stats. He is huge on numbers. He remembers all these numbers, Gary, from, from every game he's ever played, from every season he's ever had. And if he could beat that record of two by Brady and somehow put up a goose egg in that column, I, yeah, I think yeah. he would be absolutely giddy to do it. Now, job one is still clearly to go win football games. And at times you might have to make some you know, trickier throws and some tough throws, especially if you're down late in games, to go ahead and do that. But right now, it's setting up pretty well for him, Gary. They've had big leads in most of these games. He hasn't had to take crazy chances at the end. Maybe like a Brett Favre would have had to at times during his Mm -hmm. career. I don't think the odds are high, Gary. He can go through a whole season with zero. But it's going to be a fun stat to try to to chart and uh, kind of keep an eye on.
0: Absolutely. Hey, I want to go back and just talk a little bit more about his quote. For people that didn't hear it, Rogers said, I sometimes laugh when people talk about down years for me, because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. I, I wasn't surprised he said that, but then again, I was surprised. It kind of blew me away about his self-confidence. I mean, how many quarterbacks, Rob, do you think would ever go on national radio and make that comment?
1: Well, I'll be honest here. I, he is pretty measured. He's usually got a message behind what he's saying and deliver delivers he he thinks through this stuff especially on wednesdays when he meets with the media locally gary yeah he, he's always got a message i think he wants to deliver in some capacity whether it's to his team or his opponent or his coaches or what have you uh, this seemed a little more off the cuff it's it's a little more laid back with with a guy like mcafee i i it kind of feels like three guys sitting around a.j hawk i think mm-hmm. is on that yeah exactly exactly it's a few guys who sit around and BS almost like you and I would having a beer, watching a game. There's no question Rogers has ridiculous amounts of confidence. And, <laughs> well, I mean, um, it, it,
0: I mean it, it, it's cockiness when you get it's down cocky. to it. Right. You right.
1: know, yeah, I, I mean, i been shy about that, Gary, you know, through, through the years, but, but yeah, that, that was, that was a little bit uh, out of character. I thought even, even for him to go that far again, he's not wrong. Exactly. But,
0: that I agree. I mean, what he said is factual, Right. But again, can you imagine Bart Starr ever making a comment like that? I mean, I'm old school. I mean, he wouldn't even considered that. I mean, would Brett Favre had said that? I doubt it.
1: Right. Um, and, and Gary, I mean, here's the thing. The, the last couple of years, I know his interceptions have been low. His touchdowns haven't been great. They've been 26 and 25 the last two years. His passer rating, I think it was 97 or something like that in 18 and 95 and change last year. I mean, it hasn't been great. His career average is about 103, like we talked about in those MVP seasons. You know, he was 122 and a half in 11, and I don't know, he's 112 or something like that in his, in his MVP season of 14. Gary, he was playing well below his standard, and, and it's been talked about a lot and, and well-documented. He was not playing to the same level that he had been of his MVP seasons. He was holding the ball too long. He wasn't trusting the offense. His mechanics had gotten sloppy, Gary. Um, his accuracy had gone way down. He was in the low 60s for completion percentage. Right now he's at 70. Uh, he, he, he was not earning the 30-some-odd million every year that he's getting paid. He's right. doing that today, and that's why they're 4-0. and oh. he, He's playing with a bunch of guys off the street and that you'd, you'd find at the playground or the local YMCA, Gary, And finding a way to put up 38 points a game which is absolutely remarkable and so he deserves a ton of credit clearly for that but I'll be honest I would not classify the last couple years that that Rodgers has had as a career year for a great quarterback a Pro Bowl quarterback even in today's world Gary where everything is driven and catered to offenses his last couple years have been very mediocre and the criticism he took is extremely fair It probably should be more severe than it is in this state where he's treated like a God and with kid gloves. And and he isn't critiqued hard or heavily by the overwhelming majority of people who do that for a living. He has not been a top five quarterback in football the last few years. And he he was paid like one, Gary. And the only way the Packers, when they're going to devote 20% of the roster or 20% of the payroll to the quarterback position, are going to end up in an NFC title game or a Super Bowl, is if the quarterback then plays at an MVP level. And he's doing that today, which is why these Packers, Gary, I think absolutely have a chance to win the NFC.
0: No question about it. I mean, you and I talked about this uh, briefly a week ago or two weeks ago. I I still think barring, you know, a major injury or something, Green Bay and Seattle are going to be in the NFC championship. You know, we'll see. I, I think the world of Rogers overall, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's not easy being a quarterback in Green Bay. I mean, the, the uh, spotlight is on you constantly. And uh, I, I think he's, you know, conducted himself very well over the years. But th- this comment, <laughs> I think, really reflects, you know, what he thinks about himself inside. And, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, you know, to have that self-confidence.
1: I'd agree. It's probably a lot of what's made him what it is, Gary. I mean, let, let's remember the guy wasn't recruited coming out of high school for the most part. One division, one offer, right? He had to take the JUCO route, even though he was a borderline straight A student. His SATs were through the roof. His ACTs were extremely high. Had he gotten any kind of legitimate offer, he was going to go somewhere big right after high school. So he's had that chip on his shoulder, Gary, since he's been 17 years old. Eventually, he shined at junior college and and wound up at Cal and He's been ticked off since he was overlooked in the draft and, and fell to 24. But he's always had that inner confidence, largely, and, and largely, Gary, a lot of people didn't see the same thing that Rodgers saw in himself. So it's it's been kind of his mantra and his, and his driving points uh, all, all these years in the league. Gary, I watched him very closely in the summers of 05 and 06 when he first showed up in Green Bay too, and he was not very good. I think mm. a lot of people said, what were they doing <laughs> drafting this guy to be Brett Favre's eventual replacement? Well, even there, Gary, he's turned himself, you know, he turned himself around and, and got things figured out pretty quickly, changed a lot of his mechanics and, and his release points on the football. You remember where, where he was releasing the ball when he sure, first showed sure. up and as a product of Jeff Tedford. It, it, his carriage was so poor, throwing the ball from you know, the ear hole instead of up over the top. The guy has always believed himself in himself. He's put in a ton of work. Is he cocky? Of course, he's extremely cocky. But I, I think to be great, these guys have to have a level of that. I mean, there, there's no question he has that and, and then some. He's probably got enough, Gary, for the whole locker room. But, but, but again, he's you know, he's got two MVPs and a Super Bowl uh, championship and a Super Bowl MVP to back it up and a lot of these records. And uh, you know, what, what he needs, though, Gary, I think, to cement himself as a top 10 quarterback, let's say, of all time is another Super Bowl title. Favre only got the one, and I think it still drives Favre and and all those 90s Packer guys and all the Packer fans from that era. I think it drives them nuts. Rodgers needs another one to thrust himself up into that discussion of, you know, top five to top 10 quarterback ever.
0: I think, I I really believe this, if he gets a second one, I think he's going to be a top three, top four type, you know, Montana, Brady, up in that company. But your point is well taken. You know, you were talking about Rodgers when he came out of high school and, and, and was barely recruited. That reminds me of uh, Tony Romo when he played at Burlington High School. I saw him play, I, I think, maybe like two football games during his career, okay? And I thought he was a good quarterback. And then I saw him play in a – I think it was a sectional basketball game. And uh, after the game, I ran into him and I said – he at this point, he had committed to – was it Eastern Illinois, as I recall? Yep, yep. And, and I said to him, I said – Tony, are are you sure that football is in your future? Uh, you know, you should really consider playing basketball. <laughs> 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 I, I, I was so convinced that he was a better basketball player. You know, I, I don't know where you would, you know, he would have been a mid, mid-major probably college basketball player, but I, I was so convinced that he would be a better basketball player. And, uh, That's the last time I decided to evaluate a a high school football player.
1: (laughs) And so, So. instead, for forty years, you wrote about guys instead of scouting guys for me. Exactly. I'm staying
0: in my lane, Rob.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Shockingly, Gary, you know the University of Wisconsin didn't hire you to be their scouting director. So,
0: speaking of Wisconsin, how about Nigel Hayes? Uh, I mean, we're 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 going off uh, the tracks here a little bit, but but his comments about Tyler Hero. He shouldn't come to Wisconsin and should go to Kentucky. Uh, I'm sure that went over with the uh, Wisconsin fan base.
1: Yeah, I've been texting with uh, a few ex-Badgers this morning that I know well, Gary, and believe me, no one, <laughs> no one, no one is number one surprised who know Nigel well. And, and across the board, there's a huge level of disappointment. So, yeah, that's...
0: Uh, I, I could imagine. So, uh, well, moving along here. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's got to be at the top of the list, or certainly within the top two or three as far as MVP considerations. Uh, right now, I got Russell Wilson slightly ahead of him. You know, you know who a, a guy I think is is not getting any pub, especially nationally, and part of it is is the place he plays is Josh Allen of Buffalo.
1: Yeah, Gary, you know, I went to a couple websites this morning. I, I did a story on the MVP race today for Forbes. I went to one website, it's called sportsbettingdime.com. They've all they've all got their odds and stuff like that. They were all pretty close, but that, that's the one I used uh, for this particular story. Josh Allen was actually fourth in their numbers. It it was Russell first at plus one fifty. Okay. Which, which would mean if you bet ten dollars, you'll get back 15 plus your original mm-hmm. 10. I mean you'd make $15. Patrick Mahomes, Gary, was actually second at plus 250, and Rodgers was third at plus 500. And then Josh Allen was fourth at plus 1,100, and Lamar Jackson was fifth at plus 1,400. So Lamar Jackson has not had much of a start.
0: No, he um, yes, hasn't. I, I thought he's played very mediocre at this
1: point. I agree. Now, again, he, he raised the bar incredibly high last year for for that position. I mean, I think he ran for 1,200 yards or something like that, didn't he? His, mm-hmm. his rushing numbers were off the charts. but he showed in that Monday night game, Gary, against the Chiefs, that if that if the Ravens are playing from behind, he's he's not much of a quarterback, or he's not one of those quarterbacks you want trying to bring you back. And I, I think that'll be a you know a real red flag on on Jackson until he proves otherwise. I, I'm kind of with you, Gary. Though I, I see it as a you know it, it's it's Wilson, Mahomes, and Rogers right now. All three of those guys are four and 0 aren't they? If Josh Allen's four and and0 yeah, all really, of them are. So I, I think it's going to be a combination of things, and it always is, Gary. And you know this well. It's it's number one, how do you play individually? But then number two, how does your team do? Does Seattle get the number one seed in the NFC? Does Green Bay get it? That's going to factor in if Russell and, and Aaron's numbers are are pretty close at the end of the year. Do the Chiefs make a run, Gary, for example, at 16-0? and 0? And then Mahomes is a guy that... You, you clearly want a reward for something like that. Does Buffalo pull away and win that division by four games mm-hmm. that New England has dominated for two decades? That's going to win Allen some points. So it, I mean, it's going to be a fascinating race. I mean, everybody thought green Bay was a nine or 10 win team. Uh, did they make a run at 13 and three, 14 and two type of a deal. And Rogers pushes 50, 50 touchdown passes and keeps his interceptions to virtually none. He's going to clearly be in it then till the end of the year. I think it's going to be fascinating, Gary, to watch unfold here, uh, you know, the next two, two and a half, three months. A couple things to also remember. Everybody likes the new guy, Gary. I mean, they really do. Um, uh-huh. and they'd like to vote for people who haven't won it. Rodgers has two. Mahomes has one. Lamar Jackson has one. Russell doesn't have any. And, and Josh Allen doesn't have any. So I do think if it's close at the end of the year between Russell and Rodgers, there's a lot of voters out there will say Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer. He's an all-time great. He doesn't have any MVPs yet. I'm going him over Aaron because of that. So I think if Rodgers is going to pass Wilson, Gary, two things have to happen. I think his numbers have to beat Russell by a little bit, and I think the Packers have to finish ahead of Seattle in in the overall standings when it's it's all said and done. Maybe be the one seed in the NFC.
0: Makes total sense. You know, the one guy I I wouldn't dismiss, and I did after the very first game of the season – I was foolish enough to do it tom brady i 'm telling you they 're better than anything I had imagined, and uh, Brady looks like he 's finally uh, getting comfortable in that system. I remember when uh, he was free agent shopping. I talked to a player personnel director, and I asked him about Brady, and he goes, Hey, Father Time catches up with everyone he 's done." <laughs> I don't think he's done, you know, I I, th- I thought he was as well, but I don't think so anymore.
1: I'm with you, Gary. And if, and again, that let, let's watch team success there, right? They're three and one, three
0: and one. They, yeah. they
1: lead the NFC South. I think the saints are two and two and Carolina and Atlanta aren't going to challenge. Let's be honest. Uh, that'll be a two team race in all likelihood. I mean, if, if Tampa Bay wins 12, 13 games, uh, if Tampa Bay beats Green Bay in a couple of weeks coming off the Packers by Gary and Brady outplays Rodgers that day, he's going to jump up in a, in a lot of these things too. I'm with you. I, I watched that game pretty closely last week when, when Tampa Bay beat the Chargers. Brady threw that early pick six and his arm looked dead on that, on that yes. simple out that was jumped by the corner and he took it back. From there on out, clearly the offensive people in Tampa Bay said, San Diego, well, I guess they're Los Angeles Chargers now, are going to mm-hmm. sit on these short routes. We've got to go up top. And I think it was really interesting how the Char- or how, the- how Tampa Bay played that day because there are a lot of people that thought Brady couldn't make those deep throws anymore, and he was playing that day without Godwin, arguably his number one receiver, Gary. Mike Evans is outstanding too. They've probably got two number ones in Tampa but Evans left that game too for a stretch and, and Brady was still going up top and Gary, he was throwing outstanding footballs, 30, 40 yards down the field. And I think that was the number one question. So many of these people had this, this last off season, kind of like with Peyton Manning seven, eight years ago, when he went to Denver off the neck injury, right. but he could still right. throw the ball deep downfield. And, and obviously Manning showed he could, the one year he threw 50 some odd touchdowns and won the MVP when when Denver went to the Super Bowl and lost to Seattle Brady is proving it right now to Gary that he can do that still and, and and I'm with you I wasn't sure he could throw you know much more than short simple passes kind of like the the Saints have uh, Drew Brees doing right now mm-hmm. uh, Brady Brady's going to factor in Gary that you're you're totally right and again If Tampa jumps up and wins 12, 13 games, kind of a franchise that's been dormant for the most part since it came into football, other than that one stretch where they they won a Super Bowl, there's no question Uh, he's going to factor into this MVP race when it's all said and done.
0: You know, I I find it amazing guys like Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, the, the truly great quarterbacks, how good they are, you know, when they're 40 or older. I mean, you would think, like this player personnel director said, father time would catch up to you. But my goodness, they're breaking the class ceiling and saying, hey, you know what? You can play beyond age 40 and play at a high level.
1: So that was '09, 9 right, when Favre had his monster year, yeah, with with Minnesota and took them to a divisional title, and they eventually lost that Bounty Gate game to the Saints when he would just have the nonsense beat out of them in that in that game down in New Orleans,
0: one of the greatest calls ever by Paul Allen. <laughs> uh, I, know. I wonder how many times that call was played, right? I mean, <laughs> that was unbelievable. One of the greatest calls, in, at least in my mind, in football history. But anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Oh
1: no, no, you're 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 spot on, and, and that call will be played forever. You know, far was born in October of '69, so I'm just thinking. Thinking out loud here, Gary. He How was, do you
0: remember that? He, he was, I have a tough time remembering my kids' birthdays. <laughs> well, I don't
1: remember my anniversary, Gary, and things. Oh, like
0: Oh, oh boy! <laughs> don't forget that, Rob. Just uh, giving you a hint here. Here, giving you a tip.
1: Yeah. In, in fact, I think Brett Favre's birthday is coming up later this week, so you want you might want to send a card. <laughs> um, okay. So no, I, I'm just thinking out loud. He he was 40 that particular year, so your math is right on. He's 40 there. Brady's 43 now. Gary, I don't think Drew Brees has a whole lot left, but you know, mm, I agree. He's in excess of forty. Forty's probably what thirty to thirty-two or thirty-four was right back in the eighties. Guys got to be mid-30s in the eighties and 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 GMs and teams in general. Uh, Gary thought they were absolutely done, but but based on training and nutrition, off-season workouts, um, and these guys are in shape twelve months a year, 24-7, 365. Uh, what I mean, Tom Brady puts nothing into his body allegedly that you know it can harm him in any way, shape, or form. He's talked about playing into his late 40s and pushing 50 and things like that. It, it's just a different world, and and Farve has said that all along, and and Rogers has kind of piggybacked it here too, Gary. In the last number of years, it's not the arm that goes; it's it's the legs. Mm-hmm. And um, if if these guys can keep their legs strong, I mean, Gary, I was joking with somebody last week. I forget who it was. Oh, it was after the Cam Newton COVID test came out. I was joking with somebody that, you know, if, if they could block it up, New England that is, they could probably pull Far off his property right now. and He could, he could go wing the ball 35 times last Monday in that game against the Chiefs. The problem is he, he'd be a statue. He can't move anymore. I'm sure the legs are done. And that's right. what these guys have kind of picked up and they're smart about now is, is they're keeping that lower body in tip-top shape and it's extending careers and life because the arm isn't what goes, it's the legs. You, you mentioned Brady before, and and the question marks on if he could throw the ball deeper than, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards downfield. I think those have been answered so far uh, in, in Tampa Bay. And a lot of these guys, you're, you're spot on, Gary, that in excess of 40, it does, it's just a number now. It, it doesn't really matter that much anymore. There's still tread on the tires. There's life in these guys. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no question Brady, Brady's one of them, and, and Rodgers is going to push for that himself, too. Barring any kind of crazy injury, I think Rodgers makes it into his early 40s for sure.
0: And by that time, you'll be playing for the L.A. Chargers, right?
1: <laughs> I'd be playing there by about 38 or 39, no matter no matter how this year <laughs> plays out here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the writing's on the wall or not, but we'll, we'll see on that, too. Hey, uh, one thing uh, I also want to touch upon here, is the Packers defense, and, and everybody knew coming into the season that the uh, Packer defense was going to be suspect, and after four games, the Packers defense is suspect. Uh, your thoughts?
1: Well, yeah, I was actually surprised, Gary. I looked it up this morning. They're, they're 12th right now in total defense. I thought they had their best game top to bottom the other night uh, against Atlanta on defense because Atlanta does have some weapons. Now, it, it clearly helped them that Julio Jones left midway through that game, and I think he only played about 20 or 25 snaps. But there were a lot of positives, I thought. There were, there were a lot of good signs. And keep in mind, as we talk about this, Kenny Clark has only played 6% of the defensive snaps. So coming out of the bye here, they're probably going to get their best or second-best player back on defense, which is going to help immensely against the run. Gary, Atlanta has a lot of weapons in the pass game. And I thought Green Bay's secondary the other night held up really well for the most part. No passing touchdowns for Matt Ryan. They Mostly Jair Alexander, uh, blanked Calvin Ridley, who's a really good emerging, up-and-coming, promising third-year-wide receiver out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. He had been setting the league on fire. I think I said on our show last week, Gary, that he was in the middle of passing Julio Jones to be the number one. He didn't have a catch Monday night. I mean, Alexander ran with him most of the night and completely blanked him, completely shut him out. And Gary, when when the Falcons came to Lambeau Field two years ago in 2018 when Alexander was a rookie, they matched him up that night on Julio Jones and Julio just ate him alive. Eight catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, So that just shows you how far Alexander's come along.
0: I I just want to make this comment on Alexander. I always have considered the best Packer cornerback ever to be Willie Buchanan. Now, were you even born when Willie Buchanan was playing? I don't even know.
1: It was tail end. Okay. <laughs> well, <let's laughs> you, you are a young puppy. I did yet. not see a lot of Willie Buchanan's games. I, I mean,
0: Willie, Willie Buchanan to me was like the consummate quarterback. He, he could cover. Yep. He could cover. He could make tackles. A smart, heady player. And unfortunately, he suffered a uh, serious injury. And then Herb Adderley, of course, everybody's aware of the legendary Herb Adderley. But I think Alexander right now has a chance to be in the top three or four of the greatest defensive backs the Packers have ever had. This kid basically has everything. The only thing concern I have about him is his lack of height. What is he, about 5'10"?
1: That's about it, yep.
0: Yeah. yep. So, so, I mean, he could have problems in certain situations from a lack of height. But I'll tell you, other than, other than that, he seems to have the package.
1: I'm with you, Gary. The, the best one I've ever seen was Charles Woodson. Yes, uh,
0: he was right who, there, too.
1: Who was unbelievable in his stretch, and he should go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. I, I don't think Alexander's a Hall of Fame type of a player, but he's going to be paid a year from now, Gary, as a top-five corner in football. They're going to have to let Kevin King walk this off season because they can't pay King and Alexander. I think that that kind of money and and whatever. I mean, Kevin King plays half the snaps most seasons. It seems like anyhow. So they'll find the next corner to jump in and, and take his job. Maybe it's already on the roster with a guy like Sullivan. We'll we'll see. But I'm with you. I mean, I know he's undersized, Alexander, a little bit. Uh, but so was Daryl Green, and he had one heck of a career, didn't he? Um, yeah. I
0: mean, Daryl Green was like five seven. I mean that. I mean, you talk about incredible stories. I mean, who play? Who could play? At five seven in the NFL, besides Willie Wood, of course, <laughs> but other than that, there haven't been many have there
1: no, um, and there haven't, and the receivers just get bigger and bigger too, gary, as you know, and stronger and stronger you know he, he's given up six inches a lot of nights on matchups, uh, Alexander, that is, and you know 20, 30 pounds to these muscle bound receivers that he's got to go out and run against and and these guys that are you know six, four two and a quarter still find a way to run four four five or something like that so uh but alexander. He studies his butt off, Gary. He really does. He's smart. He's instinctive. He's as athletic as they come. His vertical is outstanding. His anticipation, his timing of throws. He doesn't have a lot of PIs, Gary, pass interferences. His timing seems to be absolutely terrific, how he reads quarterbacks, and and he knows the routes that are coming. I mean, I'm telling you, Gary, this Boo Ridley the other night, who who he absolutely shut out, is, is going to mm-hmm. finish with 80 or 90 catches. And really? You Alex, think that many, huh? I wow. do. He had 21, Gary, through three games. I mean, that's seven yeah. a game. Uh, the, the, this is a damn good young receiver, a darn good young receiver. Alexander just 100% took him away. Now, can he do that week in and week out? Will he do that in the playoffs against a Thomas on the Saints right or a, a Metcalf on the Seahawks or – you know, let's say they see the Cowboys, whoever that number, if it's Cooper or somebody like that, it's probably not going to be to that level. But I, I'm telling you what, he, he's working himself into that discussion of, of top three, four, five corners in football, shut down level corners, Gary, who can go take away number ones
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, keep him to three, four catches instead of eight to ten catches. And, and that's huge when, when you get to the playoffs because King's a pretty good number two and the safeties aren't bad, Gary. They can win with that secondary. So I know your question started on overall defense. I I kind of morphed into the secondary. It was a great night, I thought, the other night for the secondary, which had struggled early this season. But I I thought they showed a lot against one of the probably top five, six, seven passing offenses in football. And then, Gary, on top of it, the run defense overall was pretty stout the other night, which is shocking considering Kenny Clark wasn't on the field. But Lancaster had himself a nice night. I thought the guys up front held the point uh, pretty well. Kiki's turning into a pretty nice player for him up there. So they're developing a little bit of depth. And um, Gary, again, they don't need this to be a top 10 defense. They need it to maybe hang around in that, you know, 11 to 15 range. They can't be bottom five because you can't outscore everybody every single week, but they're number 12 right now in the league going to the break. And, And they've got the number two, Uh, total offense the number one scoring offense so if your offense keeps putting up numbers like this Gary and and that defense is even in the top 40 percent which is where they are right now that's a winning formula you know they're going to win a lot of football games that way
0: all right we got a couple uh, minutes left and we want to do our weekly around the NFC North and let's start with the Bears uh, who who finally came back to earth uh, last Sunday in, in losing to the Colts their vaunted offense scored 11 points, Rob. <laughs> 11 points. <laughs> and I know you know Indianapolis has a pretty decent defense, but 11 points just, just tells you about their situation.
1: Well, I think a lot of people in Chicago found out for the first time what a lot of people in the league already knew, Gary, and that's who Nick Foles is. Nick Foles has had a couple of hot stretches in his career, including the postseason a few years ago when he took the Eagles to a Super Bowl championship. Uh, But he is statuesque in the pocket. He doesn't move well. I think when there's enough film on him and you know as a defensive coordinator, when you know offensively what Chicago is going to do and now you've got some film on Foles, the bottom line, Gary, is he's somewhere probably between 18 and 25. Now, is that better than Trubisky? Yeah, it probably is. Trubisky was probably in the 30s and so they slightly upgraded there. Gary, Chicago's still going to be a threat. I, I, I do believe that. Because of their defense? Yeah, because of that defense, and they're going to win 10 games. and, and Really? The yeah, they are. That, that schedule's not daunting. Foles is good enough to control things and manage the offense to, to win games 20-17 to 17 and things like that. I, I do think it's one of the top six to eight defenses, Gary, in football. I'll be honest, Gary, Indianapolis is really good. I think top to bottom, that roster is among the top five in football. And people forget, if Andrew Luck's on that football team, Gary, we're talking about them as a Super Bowl favorite, probably with the Chiefs and the Packers and the Seahawks right now. The difference is Phillip Rivers doesn't have a ton left, and and they've been scrambling to fill that quarterback position since Mm -hmm. – since luck made that sudden retirement, but I, I'm telling you that. Since, roster since overall, Johnny
0: Unitas was a Colt, No, yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. I, I, I agree. Indianapolis to me is like one of the sleeper teams out there. They, they have a chance Correct. to still be pretty good. A, a team that finally got off the Schneid was, was the Vikings. You know, they, they beat Houston. And I watched a little of that game and I'm telling you, Rob, they probably shouldn't have won that game either. And they could be winless at this point.
1: Well, that that is true, and 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 amazingly, it was the Vikings that cost uh, another organization's head coach <laughs> yeah. their job as as Houston fired Bill O'Brien the next day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've said this on here before, Gary, and I, and I fully believe it. I think Minnesota is going to be pretty good the final quarter, maybe the final six games of, of mm-hmm. this season. There, there's just so much youth running around on that team. They replaced about half the defensive starters. They traded their best wide receiver in Diggs and drafted Jefferson. Gary Jefferson, the, you know, the wide receiver they took in round one out of LSU, has got back-to-back 100-plus yard games.
0: He's been really good. I've he, been watching he's him. Gonna,
1: yeah. He's going to be a problem in this division for people for a lot of years. He's, he's one heck of a football player. Well, um,
0: let, let, let me interrupt you real quickly here. Yeah. Rob. You know, we're, we're talking about Jefferson. And, and this is one of my conspir- uh, theories about Gutekunst moving up in the draft. You know how he went up and got Jordan Love? Right. I wonder if he wasn't intent on getting Jefferson, thinking Jefferson might be there.
1: Jefferson went one pick before Love, didn't he?
0: I think it was two, but whatever it was, it was, just, it was just before the Packers. Right. And, and I'm just wondering if he thought – he might be there. I mean, it, this is just my own speculation, but.
1: Gary, I do, I'm, I'm trying to remember back exactly to how that draft played out. And, and, and I think everybody, everybody knew the Vikings were going to take a corner, or a wide out because. Right. Exactly. Let, the corner, let, let the corners walk in free agency or, or just flat out cut them like Xavier Rhodes. And they needed a wide out after, uh, you know, after moving on from digs, those were two enormous need areas. And they were also really good, positions in the draft especially wide receiver if you remember Gary where where everybody knew you could get a guy in in the 20s there that was probably going to be an immediate starter for you. So there could be some truth to what you're saying there. I would only counter that by saying if Goodkoon's really wanted Jefferson, he probably knew he had to get up higher than Minnesota and maybe get up in that 22-23 range instead of 26, mm-hmm. which is where he got Jordan Love. I will say Gary all along they and, and every general manager in the league is like this. They want their own quarterback at some point in time, a guy to hang their hat on, and a guy to have their legacy wrapped to and tied to. For Ron Wolf, right, that was Brett Favre. For Ted Thompson, that was Aaron Rodgers. And I think Brian Gutekunst has, has thought along those lines since he was hired. And he saw a chance to get a guy who he thinks is going to be a really good player three, four, five years down the road. And this was his chance to go get him. And did he sacrifice the draft in the process? He probably did because they're going to get no help in 2020 for the most part from this particular draft class. But amazingly, Gary, they're somehow a better football team.
0: Yeah, you know what? We could talk forever about the uh, Jordan Love draft pick, but we don't have to talk forever about the Detroit Lions. (laughs) You said the Bears were going to win 10 games. How many do you think the Lions are going to win?
1: Uh you know, Gary, amazingly, they were 3-4-1 and one last year when Stafford got hurt. Then mm-hmm. they didn't win again.
0: Right. They started out really well, yeah, or, you know, by, uh, by Lions standards. By yes. Ly-
1: right. 500 is really well in, in <laughs> Detroit. And I, I don't think they can go 500 and, and Patricia will be gone come December and they'll start over again and, and they'll go through the same cycle, right? Wash, rinse, repeat. And that's what you do in losing organizations and, and bad football situations like the Lions have. They'll probably go five and eleven, I would think, Gary, when it's all said and done, fire the head coach, bring in the next guy and and start the whole process over again. It's just losing kind of leads to more losing and and it's been that way for the better part of three decades now for this franchise and and it's not going to change here in 2020 i I thought they had a chance, Gary, when they got a fourteen nothing in that Saints game to to make a statement. Uh, New Orleans was playing without its number one wide receiver. they had some other injuries. Uh, last week. And, and I thought this is a prime chance for the Lions to make a statement, get to 500, uh, maybe get a little bit of momentum at the quarter poll. It would have been their second straight win. But again, the Lions are the Lions. You know who they are. <laughs> at the end of the day, that, that probably means you're drafting in the top 10 without question, right?
0: That is true. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what. Thanks, Rob. Great insight as usual. Thanks to our listeners. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Oh, it's always a
1: pleasure. Thanks, Gary.
0: For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for
1: our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whoople and wooflespressbox.com.